Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 28th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, and today we are going to give the people what they want, and that is a deep dive on the Clemson Tigers with Anna Hickey of Clemson 24-7. We're not just going to do the surface level stuff. Oh, no, it's Clemson. Oh, they're not going to win the ACC. Oh, they're bad. Oh. We're going to dive into this, this offense, which is 115th nationally in yards per play. We're going to dive into Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, dive into DJ Uyangalele, the, at this point, much maligned five-star sophomore. We're going to touch on Dabo Sweeney. This culture, can it afford to bring in transfers? It kind of has to because the offensive line isn't getting it done. Maybe Anna can tell Clemson fans the sky isn't falling, or or maybe she's going to sound off the alarms. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a good conversation, though. Anna knows her stuff, and uh, we're not going to pull any punches. Elsewhere in the college football universe, all of the news to talk about from Monday is always about injuries. Brian Robinson out from Alabama, starting running back. He's hopeful to return for Saturday's game against Ole Miss. Jack Cohn, the Notre Dame quarterback who was injured in that big win over Wisconsin, he's listed as the starter for Notre Dame's game at home this weekend against Cincinnati. We will be talking about that game in depth later this week on the College Football Daily. So a little, just a little bit of injury news, not too much elsewhere. I'm looking at latest headlines. We got you know, Manny Diaz. He's defending his program at Miami. They're scuffling. They won big against an FCS opponent on Saturday, though. Got Mike Norvell was very fired up about his 0-4 Florida State Seminoles. I think we've reached the point in Tallahassee where, despite the fact they have no money to pay him a buyout and then go hire somebody who can actually fix this problem, he still has to kind of coach for his job or at least stump for his job. I think showing emotion was the right call for Mike Norvell. It's a lot better than just smugly saying, we'll just get it turned around. This will get fixed. Uh, What else? Heisman odds, still Matt Corral over Bryce Young. Do we really see that happening? I don't know. Put a little flyer in for Travion Henderson at Ohio State. The quarterback situation still feels a little bit up in the air. Maybe maybe CJ Stroud misses a few more games. Maybe he doesn't. But even if he does, Travion's running pretty well. Ohio State, maybe, I mean, they'd have to make the playoff for that to happen, but crazier things have happened than Ohio State making the playoff and then Ohio State running back putting up big numbers. And then before we get to Anna, I just want to, we're, we're going to play a little a little clip from Dabo this past weekend responding to Robert Griffin III. The Heisman, or the Heisman winner has done a great job, I think, as an ESPN uh, analyst on their broadcast, and he called Clemson NC State game on Saturday. NC State, of course, won that 27 21 in double OT. I tweeted this RG3's out there still trying to get an NFL tryout. So he's been refreshingly honest when he's calling games because he's not trying to protect his his people. He's not trying to make nice with everybody. He's like, look, I don't know if I'm going to be here for a long time as far as in this booth. I'm just going to call it how I see it. And this play calling is archaic. And you know, credit to Dabba Sweeney. He he didn't disagree. So let's listen to that. Then we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk to Anna Hickey. Well, you know, we, we run the zone, we run the counter, we run the power. We've been a, uh, an offense that's, that's been really, really good for a long, long time. But, you know, the criticism is warranted because that's where we are right now. That's what we display. Okay, Anna Hickey joins us right now. Anna, this was a season that had a lot of hype for Clemson coming into it. The big Georgia game, DJ, it was maybe looking back on it, Everyone should have been a little bit more cautious considering how the last two playoff games went. But I don't know. Like, do you sit here now on September 27th and say, oh, I should have seen this coming in June or July or was just just totally catching us off guard? Well, I think we could have maybe 
seen some of it coming just if we realized how much Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne accounted for Clemson's offense last year. And when they weren't on or when they didn't have the ball, Clemson had some issues. I mean, Cornell Powell stepped up in a lot of ways and so did Amari Rogers, but they were both experienced players. So all that is gone. But at the same time, I mean, you know, what we, the small window, what we saw from DJ versus Notre Dame and Boston college, he looked like a seasoned quarterback. I mean, he looked like he knew what he was doing. No fundamental issues really stood out. And then from what we heard from the coaches and the players this offseason regarding the offensive line, I mean, they were just totally pumped about the steps that this group was taking. They were going to be more physical. They were going to be better in the run game. And not only that, the main thing was the depth. I mean, Clemson could barely turn to their sixth offensive lineman last season. And we heard repeatedly this offseason, you know, they trusted not only eight, nine guys, but like that 10th and 11th guy was right there too. And then against Georgia Tech, Clemson can't sub at all. Like, so I think it's fair to kind of wonder where's that disconnect. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it's like the offensive line in, in 2020 was like, they didn't fix anything. And you could argue it's gotten worse because last year it, they didn't really have pass pro issues. And this year they are. And like, I look at the transfer portal, so many guys they could have got. And I, I, I guess I wanted to, I was going to, I definitely had like transfer portal on my list to talk about, but that we're in it now. Like, tell me why the offensive line would ever be an issue at Clemson. We've got transfer portal hesitancy. You were telling me earlier about, you know, they're not always signing the 25 or up to their full potential. They're not always, you know, with exception of maybe the 2020 class. And we're still waiting to see the returns on that outside of Walker Parks. You know, they're, they're kind of settling. Is it just the, the offensive line coach, Robbie Caldwell, has gotten a lot of, a lot of heat in the last few years. You know, now the heat's on Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, but... The, the offensive play calling, yes, it seems archaic, but it feels like a lot of that could be fixed if the offensive line was like remotely acceptable and, it, and it's just not there. Right. Yeah. I think back to the transport portal, Dabo was asked yesterday, did he consider this offseason going to the transport portal for like an experience aspect, not necessarily like a talent aspect because what we knew what his answer was going to be. And that's what it was. It was like, no, we love our guys that we have. They're just young. And that's not really the point. It's like, well, if you're saying that, you know, you can't throw a true freshman out there, then maybe you should have gone to the portal and maybe, you know, he doesn't have a high, as high of a ceiling, but if you plugged him in right away, he could have, he could have solved some maybe short-term issues. And Dabo's just never wanted to go to the portal because he doesn't want to a quote unquote, you know, quick fix. He, he believes in developing his players, developing through them through the program. And that served him well, but I mean, up until this point kind of, and then I followed up on that question because he was kind of short with his answer, just said, no, you know, we didn't go anyone. We didn't look at anyone in the portal. And I just said, you know, could that possibly change going forward? And based on the offensive line experience and issues so far this season. And he said, well, we're always evaluating and the new transfer rule hasn't even been in effect for a year. So it really boils down to who the best players are and how the transfer portal affects programs, other programs and our program. So it sounds like, you know, the door's open to it, but I don't know until you kind of see him act on it. You're always kind of curious if it really is open. We're going to get back to that because I feel like at Clemson Dabo is in a, is in a unique spot where he doesn't really answer to, the people who would demand him make changes at the end of the season that some other coaches at other places would do. But we'll get back to that in a second with DJ Uyangalale to his credit, Anna, you were telling me he's, he's been made available after every game on, and then I think on every Monday too, 
this is not up to anybody's expectation. He's a once in a generation type quarterback. Clemson's had a few of those now, though. I expected, my expectation was DJ to be just fine. And I think eventually he will be, but it almost feels, and this is just, this is just me talking, Anna. If they had a backup quarterback who they felt better about, it feels like it would be nice to maybe get DJ a break here or there because it just something, it just isn't working. And, and as we mentioned with the offensive line, it's not all DJ's fault. And, and the whole like, put a backup quarterback situ- like thing in before. like That's happened to other programs. Lincoln Riley did that with Spencer Rattler for a few drives last year against Texas, and it, it paid off big time. I just think DJ right now needs a break, and he's not getting one. Yeah, and it's hard because there's so many issues. It's not like, okay, well, if one issue is kind of covered up or masked during the game, then there's two or three others that aren't, so the offense stalls. So, you know, DJ's footwork has been an issue. I think, you know, you don't have to be a quarterback guru to see the, his, how he's throwing the ball. He's throwing on his back foot. He's not following through. Tony kind of put it to us that he's relying on his talent, not moving his feet as he should be. And it was last game. He got too antsy in the pocket. That resulted in some errant throws. And then, that again, that goes back to why was he antsy in the pocket? Probably because he was unsure if his offensive line would hold up. Maybe he was feeling some phantom pressure like he did in the Georgia game. And Georgia was getting after him, but on the chances that they weren't, it was almost like he was still feeling that pressure. And then again, like you said, you know, Justin Ross is still working his way back. Brad Gladson and Joseph Ngata are working into new roles. Teams are scheming. I mean, these are all things that we've heard and, and, and observed. But the bottom line is that there's something is off with DJ. And I don't know if it's a light that just needs to come on in terms of the footwork and the, the touch. That's been another issue. He's got an extremely impressive arm, can make every single throw, but it's almost like the simpler throws, the easy throws, the check downs, he misses. So um, just seems like there's a lot of issues. And, and the other thing I would say is to, to today, what Elliot said was, um, I thought was interesting talking about the RPO game. And it sounds like they haven't fully taken the training wheels off DJ in that regard, whereas Trevor pretty much had full autonomy to make any decisions in that, in that regard. And Elliot kind of said today, you know, there might be some instances where even if there's an eight man box, we still just call run just to take some of that decision-making off DJ's plate, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's well, especially with Will Shipley hurt with the offensive line, yeah. that doesn't seem like a good idea. And in fact, in watching Saturday's <laughs> game, I'm almost like, stop running it because I know what's going to happen and you're going to get to third and long and then they're going to go three and out. And that defense, Brian Brzee's out now, Tyler Davis is hurt. You can only hold up for so long, Anna. And when you're playing like double the snaps of your opponent, you're going to give up a bit. Like you're just eventually people are going to get hurt. And I, I sound like I'm like a, a you know, a mom, people are going to get hurt. I just mean like the, the fatigue steps in, it's not good. And I, I don't know. I, the injury situation is now on top of everything. It's Brzee. It's, it's Shipley. It's you know, James Scalsky, the no linebacker. He's going to be out for a little bit. The team's just taking L's left and right. And, and you know, I'm not yeah. even talking about the final score. Thankfully Shipley's going to get come back at some point this season. And I think Davos said three to four weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a little optimistic, but yeah, in the meantime, I mean, they're having to take the red shirt tag off of Phil Maffa, who's a talented player, but again, he's a, he's a freshman and now he's their second string back. I mean, Tyler Davis and Brian Ruzzi. I mean, that is, those are just cannot be under, overstated the type of losses those are to the defense. Peyton Page, who we thought was going to red shirt is now already on the two deep. They're going to probably slot Justin Foster, who we saw play a little bit 
inside this last game. He'll probably have a bigger role inside, but I mean, he's played in his whole career. Um, Jamie Scalzi, they did say today that Venables did say that they expect him to practice today. So sounds like he'll be okay, which is, which is good news. But yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, so up to this point, Clemson's been in games because of the defense. So now that the defense has lost some of their star power, you know, they can't necessarily rely on defense keeping them in games anymore. I mean, even if the defense starts allowing 21 points a game, the offense hasn't been able to put that up. So I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing with like the point spreads the last few weeks. I'm sorry to talk over you, but it's like, uh, they're 14 and a half point favorites over Boston college. I'm like, yeah, that's surprising. That means means Boston college has to score zero. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, it's uh, I have a question for you. The archaic, do you agree with the offense being archaic? What does that even mean? I think it just means that there's no um, create. I think I, maybe the, the word he was looking for is no creativity or uh, I don't know. I think I'm not smart enough to diagnose all of the play calling schematic issues, but I do think that Tony had a point today when he said he was asked about that comment directly. And he said, it's the same place that North Carolina is running. It's the same place that they're running all over the country, but we just can't execute them. And then he kind of said, you know, and people want to see creativity and think outside the box, but how can I think outside of the box when you can't even execute the most fundamental and basic of plays? I mean, he has a point. If you can't execute a check down or your offensive linemen just are literally running into each other. I don't know if you guys caught that play on TV. Um, yes. Dabo had to call a timeout, but the two guards are pulling into each other. I mean, if you have those types of mistakes, it's hard to get in any sort of rhythm to kind of exploit the defense when all you're trying to do is just get a first down. So... And like I said, the RPO thing, you know, if, if DJ is not fully able to kind of make those decisions, that adds another la- layer to it. Um, so I just, like I said, I think it's just a perfect storm of all sorts of issues. And um, I did think that was interesting because I, when I'm at the game, even though I'm in the game, I have in the press box, I have the broadcast on just because you can pick up different things. And when RG3 said that, my jaw kind of dropped. I was like, wow. My last question for you, it's sort of a, a high uh, hypothesis, I guess that's what it's called. And I just want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong and kind of give me your take on it. I, th- I think Dabo's in a, in a really tough spot here. You talk about Tony Elliott and all the fans want him fired now. And I just, I, I do feel for him in that situation because it's, is he getting to buy the groceries before making the meal? And he's also been destined now for the last few years to go take a head coaching job. And your pool of jobs is really limited when you get pushed out the door as the offensive coordinator. So that's going to be a really delicate situation to watch if that indeed does happen. Like you go from being the Virginia Tech head coach to, you know, the FIU head coach or something. And, and, you know, nothing wrong with that, but that's that's the reality of the situation. And I I also think, Anna, like, you know, for anyone listening and as this being like a dunk on Clemson episode, they've won two national titles in the last five years and they've won six straight ACC titles. This isn't Texas. This isn't USC. This isn't Tennessee. Certainly not Nebraska or Florida State. It's not Michigan. This is still a powerhouse football program. And I think the healthy powerhouse programs, they go through change. Alabama has gone through a lot of change. Ohio State even has gone through a lot of change. And I think the Urban Meyer move to go to Ryan Day and being, you know, Ryan Day getting to have Jeff Halfley, that was maybe one of the best things that ever happened for the program. And they're going to have to do it again with the defensive coordinator after this season. I think in the long run, and I'd be curious if this is, if you agree with this or not, it would be better for the trajectory of the program to go eight and four and Dabo have to make a move, then go 10 and two losing to Georgia and, you know, someone or, or, you know, or getting pounded again in the college football playoff 
and not doing anything other than maybe bidding adieu to a retiring offensive line coach. Because Dabo doesn't answer to anyone at Clemson is is what I'm getting from here. And unless he's going like eight and four, he's not going to feel pressure to make any sort of massive change, whether it's philosophical or coaching or schematic or whatever, that actually gets his program back into this level of competing with the Ohio States and, and Alabamas and Oklahomas of the world. Because like you were at the games and like it, the LSU one, it just didn't even feel as close as it looked. And same with Ohio state. And you've, it's almost been for the last two years, we've known that, you know, this won't work when Trevor Lawrence is gone. And, and that's, that's the case. Do you agree with that? Or do you think an eight and four in a year in which you're trying to sign Arch Manning, that's going to kill you? No, I think there's definitely something to what you're saying for sure. But at the same time, Dabo, that's only two more, took only two more losses this season. So, which I so think you think I'm being optimistic with eight and four. You know, that's extremely doable, even with the injuries. And then, okay, you know, does Dabble come back and say this was kind of a one-off year? Look at all the success we've had. Um, oh boy, man! You know, that. Yeah. you know what I mean? And just say, you know, we're going to write the ship. It's on me. We'll figure it out. And just kind of, you know, I don't know. I can't. I can't predict that. But that wouldn't totally not be in his wheelhouse. From what we've seen in the past, like you said, I don't know how much longer Robbie Caldwell is going to coach, regardless if things were all dandy or not, just because, you know, he's older. To me, I think Dabo, before like any outside changes or staff changes needs to be made, need to be made. I think he, he, Clemson does not have a DPP per se, director of player personnel. He handles all those roster decisions himself. So if anything, I think he needs to take a look inward and kind of say, okay, times are changing. This worked five years ago, even three years ago, but now it's kind of catching up to us. And like you said, you got to be able to adapt. And there's certain values and core things that, yes, you can stick to because I know he's such a culture guy and, and rightfully so. I mean, he built a rock solid culture at Clemson. You can stick to all of that while also kind of evolving a little bit, opening the doors. Like the transfer portal is something I keep going back to, you know. Part of it, I think, is just they want to make sure they bring the right guy in because of the culture. You know, they don't just want to let anyone walk through the door. But, I mean, there are some good guys out there in the transfer portal. Just because they're in the transfer portal doesn't mean they wouldn't fit in Clemson's culture, that they would kind of be a leech to the program. I just I think that he's got to evaluate how he approaches that. And maybe he is. And the offensive line recruiting and development is just huge in terms of the play calling and offensive coordinator. I don't know. I think that's a tough one, and I'm a big Tony Elliott believer, and I do think that the archaic, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if I would go that far. I think maybe there's definitely some things that could be changed, but I keep going back to if you can't execute the littlest of things, then how are you going to open up the playbook? So I don't know. I don't know if that's right or wrong, and maybe it's a little bit of both. It probably is, but I think you got to look at what the body of work that Elliott's produced before you think that the change needs to be made, but I don't know. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens. And I party note is, you know, Dabo is he's made those changes before he's, you know, hired Brent Minables. He's fired Kevin Sealy. Right. Exactly. Morris. Like he's, he's not, his head is not in the sand. So right, we'll exactly. Again. Yeah. 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 We got to oh. give him a little bit more credit. I think sometimes yeah, the, the, the meme ish yeah. Dabo Sweeney stuff kind of goes right. off the rails. All right. Anna, this was great. This was longer than usual, but it was super interesting. And I really appreciate you joining us uh, late in the day. Follow her at Anna H247. Anna, go have a great day. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Trey. Thank you again to Anna for joining us. She had a long day on Monday with interviews, and we recorded this late Monday afternoon. But uh, we really appreciate it. Clemson's schedule 
Tigers, Boston College on Saturday, as mentioned, big favorites, 15 points, don't know why. Then a bye, which would be good. Road trip to Syracuse on a Friday night. What can go wrong a Friday night in the Carrier Dome? A trip to Pittsburgh, home versus Florida State, away at Louisville, home versus UConn. Really two two interesting games. Home versus Wake Forest, which might be the king of the ACC. And then an away trip to Columbia, South Carolina to end the regular season. And we'll see if, if Clemson ends up back in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. If they do, then I feel like you know this entire hoopla was sort of silly because if you're playing for a conference championship, even if your expectation is to win the playoff or make the playoff, if you're playing for a conference championship, it can't be too bad. And that's still on the table for Clemson. So we'll see. Our producers, Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. We'd love it if you left us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. 